What's up, people? Another episode of Just for Sport. It's early in the morning. I'm excited because it's the Masters. It's going to start today. It's going to be great. I'm really excited because Tiger's playing. And as I mentioned in Tuesday's pod, I have no idea who half of the top players were that are favored to win it. Which I was kind of saddened by. Like, wait. I mean, I know I don't really, really pay attention to golf that much. You got to go to Tour Junkies for that here on the Props Network. Props HQ. But I'll give my master's pick. Who I think will win it. I'll also get into the National Basketball Association. Looking at the playoff seedings, the pairings that I want to see, and we'll also talk about the MVP race. And we'll talk about Major League Baseball because today is opening day. And you're excited about it, right? Uh, not really. I actually kind of forgot about it. I woke up this morning and I was like, Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Wow. It just crept up on me. So we'll talk about that as well. But first, I want to talk about a report that came out. It was by, uh, I saw it first by Tim Bontemps on ESPN. I said, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver focused on examining trend of star players. Not participating in a full complement of games. And as I'm going, please forgive me. I got a little bit of a cold, but I really wanted to get into this pod. I think we're at a very... We're at an inflection point, if you will. Because I do believe that there is a problem. You don't want players to get injuries. The health of the players is important. Adam Silver said, quote, I'm not standing here saying I have a great solution. Part of the issue is injuries. One of the things we have focused on at the league office and we're spending, we have begun to spend a lot of time on pre-pandemic are the things we can do in terms of sharing information, resources around the league to improve best practices and rehabilitation. The other way we can get at it in terms of player participation is creating other incentives. The play-in tournament, I thought, was the beginning of creating renewed incentives from teams, for teams, excuse me, to remain competitive and be fighting for playoff position. It might be through in-season tournaments and changing formats when we can get at it. I don't know if they... I mean, because it's funny, it's not just in this sport. You know, there's reports that Max Scherzer... You know, is not going to start at the beginning of the season for the Mets. And he's just like, I'll play when I feel like I'm ready to play. And the health of the players is important. Remember last season when Antonio Brown stormed off the field in the middle of a game, threw off his jersey, and paraded himself around the stadium in the end zone as the game was still going on. Waving to the crowd. And people thought, whoa, as Antonio Brown lost his mind. He said, no, it was hell. They wanted me to play and I couldn't play right now. 
The issue is, is that it is not. It is simply not black and white. I understand for the players, it's your body. You know how you feel. You know when you're ready to play. Not like a Kyrie Irving with, oh, I don't want to take a vaccine in my body. Because I'm sure he's taking plenty of drugs to, to play and to heal. That he had no idea what the ingredients were. Okay, so we're not going to get into the vaccine being a part of, oh, about what you can put in your body. Okay, that's not the debate here. But I did want to bring that up just a little bit. This is about, I really hurt my ankle. Or my knee. Or my arm. It is a very, very tough thing to go through if you're a player and you're like, I'm telling you, I'm hurt. But you've got coaches and a front office and an ownership group that's that's like, yo, but we are paying you a lot of money to play. And we need you to play. Every time you don't play, we are not only potentially losing games. I mean, we're not only losing, you know, revenue in terms of, hey, you know, people don't want to buy tickets. I mean, I remember when it was like LeBron James may not play in the Wizards game. And all of a sudden people were like, oh, do you want your, my tickets? Like everybody was trying to give away tickets when they thought LeBron wasn't going to play. All right, not everybody. I'm exaggerating a little bit. But that's who you wanted to see. Broadcasting. The broadcast partners pay a lot of money to show these games. And they need the ratings. They need the ad revenue. Well, if players are like, yeah, I'm going to sit out. I'm injured is one thing. But if you're sitting out, like, and I feel like the last time I remember it happening, I don't want to necessarily say this was the beginning, but I feel like it was. It was Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs when he started resting the stars. Kawhi Leonard got to sit down. Tim Duncan got to not play in the game. Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker. And this was in their heyday. In in between when they were winning, what, like five championships in nine years? Something ridiculous like that? And they were healthy scratches. They were, oh, I just want them to rest. If Adam Silver is looking for a place to start, that's the place to start. You don't get to rest in a game. Miss a practice here or there. Miss three practices in a week. But you got to play in the game. And when I say miss practice, I don't mean, because I know there's something to, you know, you want to make sure you're in game shape. Okay, run some laps, but you don't have to run the plays. You may not necessarily have to compete per se if it really is just about, hey, I just I just need some time. I've been behind the scenes. 
from an NBA perspective. I know what it's like. Yeah, it's a lot. The traveling can be a lot. The practices, you're going hard for really an hour, maybe two sometimes. But you have the best care for your body, food, recovery. It's not a sham. You get hurt in the game, yeah. You you gotta you gotta get your rest. If you get hurt in practice, you gotta heal. And now we're adding on to the mental health. Oh, mentally, I'm just not ready to play. This is a real inflection point. And I think sports could potentially be in even more trouble than what they've been in in the past. Because it was hard enough to figure out if a physical injury is what kept you from playing. But now... Mental health is going to come into it. Oh, I just need a break from the game. I just need to not play right now. Ben Simmons filing a grievance with the 76ers for withholding his pay. That's going to be a problem. That's going to be a big problem. And I don't know. I mean, there's there's almost, you almost just have to do nothing. Okay, you can't play, right? But realistically, this grievance talks about how you can, maybe you can't. You were wrong to be withholding his pay. Now, whether mentally this, you know, actually playing the game was bothering Ben Simmons versus mentally he just was really unhappy and didn't want to get out there because mentally he just was having issues with all of the fans and the media questioning him, all that stuff. I can only imagine what he's going through. I really, I'm saying more, I should say, I can't imagine the straight what he's going through. And it's hard to even think you can question it. But when you look across leagues and you're the Mets front office and ownership group and Max Scherzer is like, yeah, I'll tell you when I can play. And I'm not going to say I fully understand it, but I'm like, yeah, the lockout, you were probably working out during the lockout in your home gym. So it would also concern me if it's like, oh, well, you know, missing those two weeks. I just don't know. Someone like Max Scherzer, you are ramping up. There's no doubt you are ramping up. But again, you can't question it. Adam Silver went on to say, that he's all, he says, quote, I've also said in the past, 
If we have too many gains, that's something we should look at as well. Uh, we're studying it. It's something as we sit down and we're looking at new media deals and looking at the new collective bargaining agreement, we will be studying it. There wasn't any banging on the table or anything like that. For my discussion with players, they recognize this an issue too. The style of the game has changed in terms of the impact on their bodies. I think we've got to constantly assess and look at a marketplace going forward and say, what's the best way to present our product and over how long a season? That's the end quote. To me, it's not the games. I mean, if you want to say 82 games is a lot, okay, you cut it down to 70, 72 games, spread it out over playing. Maybe you only play two a week, but I don't think that's it. Allen Iverson said it best. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, practice. Now, I know I'm using that out of context and what he was talking about at the time compared to the media uh, person that asked the question. But I'm saying that to say, if there's anything to cut down, cut down on the practice. That's what you cut down on if the players are saying they're tired. Cut down on the travel. I hate traveling. I love traveling. I hate traveling in the game. I feel like it's very it's not interpreted correctly anymore by the referees in my mind. I love traveling. Yes, of course, especially that NBA travel. Boy, that was nice. But I mean in terms of maybe the homestand should be longer. Maybe you need two or three longer road trips. If the homestands can be longer too. Obviously it won't get like baseball. Where you have like 12 days at home. And then 12 days on the road. In terms of well I guess. It could be like that. But not the number of games per se. But I know it's a lot with scheduling. They got to figure it out. But between getting rid of back to backs. No practices. It's pretty obvious that's where you cut. And I imagine the smart people with the NBA are thinking about that. And in the other sports too. Alright, the big news of the day. Or the week rather. To me. That the Lakers are not competing in the playoffs as we stick with the NBA. They're done. And as you saw Anthony Davis crying. Or tearing up as the Phoenix games was coming to an end. And the San Antonio Spurs won and they knew they were eliminated. And LeBron James, who knows what he was going through. I knew. And everybody knew. Well, okay, maybe that's too strong to say we knew. It bothered me a lot. That I said... They were just too old. Now, remember in the old pod, yeah, I brought up that maybe they could do the Tom Brady thing. Tom Brady getting the gang back all together again. Some of the players he played with, the most notably, was Rob Gronkowski when they went to Tampa Bay. And LeBron James maybe said, yeah, we could do that. 
The key is they brought the wrong player back. Or not even back. They traded for the wrong player, Russell Westbrook. But, you know, they brought Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza. A lot of older players. And then LeBron James put this tweet out when people were talking about their age. And that I don't know if they could do it. And it was a punk move for him to delete it. Like, come on. Stand by your tweet. You know, I always talk about it. Keyboard courage. Everybody's got it. LeBron James said in his tweet, or he typed in a tweet, keep talking about my squad, our personnel ages, the way they play, he stays injured, we're past our time in this league, etc., etc., etc. Do me one favor, please, and I mean please, keep that same narrative energy when it when it's when it's begins. I realize I just realized that doesn't make any sense. That's all I ask. Thank you. Well, it's over. The beginning and the end was a disaster. Disaster. They were too old. And that's weird to say, like all of the players... Going into the season, Anthony Davis was the only one under 30. And that was by one year. He was 29. Everybody else was above 30. They ended up getting Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn later. But this team was too old. And hopefully LeBron James realizes that. Now the other key that I feel like we're not necessarily talking about as a narrative is the salary cap. You got these older players on these really cheap contracts, which means you could pay LeBron James more. Which means you could pay Russell Westbrook. You could afford to pay Russell Westbrook. That was the crazy part. Maybe if you didn't trade for Russell Westbrook. And that $42 million a year. Was spread out. Across some other young players. Maybe the Lakers would have been better. I didn't think it was a good trade from the beginning. Now, later in the season, I said, well, why don't you get Wall? At least you can get somebody a little younger. Now, granted, not a lot younger. But now they have to look themselves in the mirror and try to figure out what happened and how are you going to change it. You got to get rid of Westbrook. That's what you have to do. I mean, it's... You got to find a way to get younger. And how else are you going to get younger? Russell Westbrook is set to be the highest paid player on the Lakers next year at $47 million. LeBron James at 44 going into next season. Anthony Davis is at 38.
Taylor Horton Tucker is going to make $10 million next year. There are a couple other players making $2 million, $1 million here and there. Really, one point five. But it's too top-heavy. That's the problem. And no one's going to want Russell Westbrook. So even if you want to trade him, you really can't. I would be surprised if anybody decides to trade for Russell after this season. The Lakers are stuck with a top-heavy salary structure. I gave you four names. With those four names alone, the salary is just too high. It's $164 million this past season. It's $138 million just with those four players. So that doesn't give you a lot to maneuver to think, okay, we signed one or two and we're back in it. Okay, yeah, you, you get a you get a draft pick because you didn't make the playoffs. You'll get a top 14 pick. But that's still just one player. They're going to have to find a way to get rid of Westbrook and Westbrook bring in three, four, five quality players. They can't necessarily be established or else it may cost too much money. But the sad thing is they go back and look at it, they've got to say, man, we just should have kept that roster. I mean, you look at how well Cal Kuzma played this year. And you got to look at it and be like, dang, imagine if we had Kuzma. I mean, what? Okay, maybe you could say Kuzma played as well as he was playing. Because of the fact that, you know, he was traded. It was like, oh, now I got something to play for. But 17 points a game? Woo, I mean, that's, that was pretty good. You needed that youth. You needed someone who could carry the team after you jumped out to a lead the first or second quarter. Could come in off the bench and keep the lead. But instead, you just had old players that got tired. Russell Westbrook, I always feel like this a tongue twister, didn't have his best season and it showed. They stink and they have to know it. They know it. I don't know how they get better. I really don't. Looking ahead to the playoffs. And. What teams have a chance to make the playoffs. There's still some good bets there. That you could get. Pelicans. A yes at plus 310. I like the way they're playing. 
I think if they get the Spurs, that's a tough one. Whoever gets the Minnesota Timberwolves, I feel like the Timberwolves, something's not right right now. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. The Pelicans are playing well at 7-3, but the Spurs, they won three in a row. They're 8-2 in their last 10. I would take that at plus 110. That's not bad. Charlotte Hornets to make the playoffs at plus 390. They've lost two in a row. Cavs, Nets, Hawks are also in the play-in tournament because this is about making the playoffs, not making the play-in tournament. Eh, maybe not so much. I think the Hawks will make the playoffs there at plus 100. Clippers will make the playoffs. You get a no for the Clippers at plus 370. They've won three in a row, but they're four and six in their last 10, but they're coming together. Paul George is back, PG-13. Let's see if we get, not playoff P, we just need play-in P. That's what you need, play-in P. If you get play-in P, then I think the Clippers will make the playoffs. But they're already at minus 600 for a yes. So there's no value there. Timberwolves making the playoffs at minus 1,000. No, they won't make the playoffs at plus 550. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, I, I don't know. They shouldn't have lost that game to the Wizards. That's why I'm like, uh, uh maybe not. Maybe not. The standings are still pretty close. The Warriors are half a game up on the Mavericks. Let's see what happens there. The Nuggets are one game behind the Jazz. We'll see what happens there. The Timberwolves are two games Behind the Nuggets, but I think the Nuggets are going to go ahead and hold on to that number six seed. But then the Pelicans and Spurs, a game separates the two of those teams. There's some jockeying there in the Western Conference. In the East, I'm watching the the Nets, Hawks, and Hornets. A game and a half separates the three of those teams. But then also the Cavs are only a game up on the Nets and Hawks. So it's going to be a lot of jockeying for position with the play-in tournament. So realistically, if I'm the, either the Heat, Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Raptors, Bulls, you might as well just play it out because it's just, I don't know, it's hard to scoreboard watch. The Heat are where they are, so maybe they don't need to watch anyway. But the Bucks and Sixers are a half a game behind the Celtics. I thought the Bulls were going to get the Celtics. That was actually kind of disappointing in Chicago. I thought they would show up better. The Raptors, who I said watch out for, 
They're a game and a half up on the Bulls. So after, uh, I think that's that's kind of a lock too. Raptors and Bulls, I think they're locked in their position. But the two through four, Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, going to be fun to watch. And seven, eight, nine, ten. Really seven, eight, nine. The Hornets might be locked where they are. The funny thing is for the first time in a long time, if it wasn't for the Spurs, all of the teams that are in the tournament or in the playing tournament would have had above 500 records. The Spurs, I mean the Hornets, could still end up with a sub-500 record. But if they win just one, then at least they'll finish at 500. But the Spurs have no shot to finish at 500. They're 34 and 45. That's just something interesting that I noticed. Looking forward to talking about the playoffs soon. What I'm looking forward to watching as things are going to get going at some point this morning. I'm up early. Is the Masters. Who can win? I don't know if there's a favorite. I really don't. I'm going to be watching for Tiger. That's really it. Tiger. That's who I want to see. If John Rahm, who's a favorite to win it at plus 900 wins, okay. Justin Thomas, plus 1,200. Roy McIlroy, plus 1,600. Cameron Smith, I don't know. For some reason... He's, I don't know. I just like his swag with the mullet. That's pretty, he's, this he's a different kind of cat. He's at plus 1,600, along with Dustin Johnson. Then we have Patrick Cantlay at plus 1,800. Scotty Scheffler, plus 1,800. But I want to see Tiger Woods win it. The number has fluctuated some. Tiger Woods is now at plus 4,500. When I got it, it was plus 3,500. So he's dropped some. I actually wish I got it plus 4,500. But when you think of crazy things that have happened, or the as I have we as I've talked about this trend of older players coming back and winning something, somebody you never expected to win it, or somebody who hasn't been there before, like Matt Stafford. Then it was Tom Brady a year before that. And of course, we can't forget about Phil Mickelson, who at the age of 51 won the PGA Championship. That came out of nowhere. So why not Tiger? I don't know. I know it's an individual sport. You got Rafa Nadal in tennis. Winning the Australian Open. Older players are different. And I know it's kind of crazy. I'm talking about older players. And I was just talking about how LeBron James and the Lakers were too old. But once in a while something happens. I didn't think it was going to happen with the Lakers. 
But Tiger said maybe he can win it. It'll be fun to see what he does today. But the fact that now he's down to plus 4,500, I don't know if people are feeling him. Now he's going, he, I think he may continue to go down as the day goes. And if there's less of a chance that he'll win it. But I'm rooting for him. If the favorite is John Rahm, my somewhat sleeper pick, but I don't know if he's a sleeper, I'm going with Cameron Smith. I'm going to be rooting for Tiger. But could it be Brooks Kepka plus 2,000? Maybe. In the end, my prediction is that it will be someone new. If it's not Tiger, I really do think it'll be someone new. Now, who could that be? Maybe you could look at a Will Zalatoris, who was a runner-up last year. If I'm saying his name right. He's at plus 3,500. Maybe you could go with him. That might not be a bad pick. He and Cameron Smith were close. But I think it will be someone new. So there's a lot to pick from there. But I think the fact that Cameron Smith and Will Zalatoris were close already, maybe this is their year. All right, and lastly, today is opening day. It's the beginning of Major League Baseball season. And I am kind of, I'm, I'm into it. And I'll tell you how I'm into it. I'm into it in that I've already been thinking about what games I want to go to. This year, I'm really disappointed last year. I did not get to see Shohei Otani pitch and bat in the game. So that is something that I am definitely going to put on the agenda for this season. I'm not going to let another season go by without... And the thing is, it has to be the game where he pitches and bats. Like, I want to see that level of history. That's what I want to see. But outside of that, there's nothing really that excites me about the season so far. My fantasy baseball team, like, uh, I, it's just, I don't even know what my team's going to be like. I really don't. I'm just kind of guessing here. It, it could be good. 
It could be fun. I feel like it's always a crapshoot about the season. That's always something that's kind of an issue. But later today, you're going to get baseball no matter what. So I wanted to think about, okay, before the season starts, these are my picks. The Dodgers are favored to win it all at 5-1. to one. Behind them, the Toronto Blue Jays at 8.5-1, plus 850. And that's my, I don't know if it's a sleeper pick, because I feel like last year was a sleeper pick, but this year it's definitely not a sleeper pick. But that's my sleeper pick, is a Toronto Blue Jays to win it all. But I guess, obviously, Vegas, they know what they're doing, too, because they the, they're the second most popular team to win the World Series. After that, you got the Braves at plus 950, the Yankees at plus 950, Astros at 1,000, White Sox at plus 1,100. And if you remember me talking about this last episode, the disparity, it's just bad. All of these teams with 100 million plus payrolls, some with 200 million plus payrolls, are blowing other teams out of the water. And unfortunately, one of those teams that really should not be that way in terms of what market they're in, the fan base they have, is I am most disappointed in Washington Nationals. I mean, if I'm Juan Soto, why do I want to play here? You're giving me no protection really in the lineup. The, the payroll is not very... Well... It's more the fact that they have decided on purpose to not pay anybody. The Dodgers are at the top with like a $277 million payroll. The Washington Nationals are somewhere in the middle, around 100000 115000 The Pirates, Athletics, and Orioles... I don't really know what they're doing. I mean, the, somehow I feel like the Pirates and Athletics, they find a way to somehow get there. It's really the Athletics that have really been the best with Billy Bean is finding that one, you know, that one team that's got the magic. Pirates, not so much. Maybe a player here or there, Bryant, Hayes. You know, we'll see what he can do. The Cleveland Guardians, I feel like when they were the Cleveland, the other team, they had the other name, they were actually really good. But their payroll is only $42 million. But the disparity, we've got to do away with this. There's no way that the top team in the Dodgers should have a almost $280 million payroll and the Baltimore Orioles are at the bottom with a $30 million payroll. That just should not be the case. To me, that means the league is not healthy. The Mets, you know, last week I talked about Mad Max, Max Scherzer, who is making, you know, he's, he's worth it. It's a pretty good salary, but it's a lot. It's a lot. And 
he's making more, one player is making more than the Cleveland Guardians as a team, the Pittsburgh Pirates as a team, the Oakland Athletics as a team, and the Baltimore Orioles as a team. That should not be the case. He's making $43 million a year. Come on. The pay, it's just, it just simply should not be like this. And just like, you know, I talked earlier about Adam Silver trying to find a way to get the players to, to stay on the court for all 82. Shoot. Rob Manfred needs to figure out how to fix this payroll. It needs to be a little bit more of an average, if you will, in my mind. The disparity has just gotten out of control. And there may be no way for them to pull it back. There may not be a way. But if I had to look at one of those teams that does not have a ridiculously large payroll, who could I go with? Who could I look at and say, well, maybe, because I don't know if that necessarily makes them a sleeper, but the Twins at plus 6,000? I like some of their signings this year. The Phillies are at plus 2,200. Their payroll is ranked fourth. So they have a high payroll, but I mean, in a weird way, they're still kind of a sleeper. I mean, you could never go wrong with the Tampa Bay Rays. They're at plus 1,700. But beyond that, I mean, Texas Rangers are middle of the pack in payroll, but they're at plus 10,000 to win the World Series. Could they make a run? I feel like the Miami Marlins, you know, going into last season was like, oh, maybe they could make some noise there at plus 9,000. The Tigers, who I actually like, they're at plus 7,000. But to me, I really I feel like it's the Toronto Blue Jays. That's my team this year to win it all. But the Dodgers certainly have paid enough for it. And, you know, right now, maybe it is all about L.A. Maybe it's all about L.A. And the Dodgers are going to be the World Series champs again. That's a possibility. A distinct possibility. But I'm looking forward to... The season getting started. There's some good prop bets for teams that you think could make the playoffs or not make the playoffs. Cubs at plus 500. Pirates at plus 1800. I doubt that's going to happen. The Reds at plus 550 to make the playoffs. That's actually another good sleeper team. So there's some good ones in there. There's some good ones. I'm getting all in the weeds. You talk about player future and home run totals or whatever. I just want to enjoy opening day. I hope you enjoy opening day. We're excited to get the baseball season started. And let's play two. That'll do it for Just for Sport. I'm Jamoke Davis. Enjoy the Masters opening day. The... 
NBA playoffs taking shape as a play-in tournament. A lot of teams jockeying for position. It's a great day for sports. To the window! Ciao for now. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the Just for Sport podcast. All you have to do is sign up now and use the promo code J for Sport and Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. That's right, they'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the PrizePix app today.